You're listening to Music Tectonics. Welcome back to Music Tectonics, where we go beneath the surface of music and tech. I'm your host, Dimitri Vitsa. I'm also the CEO and founder of Rock, Paper, Scissors, a PR firm that specializes in music innovation, music tech, and all that kind of stuff. This is exciting. I'm at South by Southwest in Austin, Texas, and uh, this is going to be great because, as you know, the convergence of music making and music distribution and music amplification has continued to be a theme at Music Tectonics, and I think you're really going to enjoy today's conversation. Conversation. I've got with me here on the 26th floor of the Hilton Hotel, just above the convention center on one side and some crazy concerts on the other. You might hear some sound through our window. We're looking over Austin. I've got with me here Lars Schlichting. He's the director of product planning and artist relations with Pioneer DJ. Lars, thanks for joining me. Thank you. Thank you for having me, Dimitri. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, so uh, we're at South by Southwest. You said this is your first time here. I know. How crazy is that, right? I know. I've been in this industry for so long, but it's the first time I've made it here. So for many years, this uh, event overlapped with Miami Music Week, which is another very important uh, event on my calendar. And so uh, I never really made it. And then, yeah, last year didn't happen. The year before didn't happen either, you know. So, um, yeah, I'm stoked to be here. It's, uh, you know, it's, it's, I'm more, you know, we make DJ products, you know, so this is more of a, of a live music event, I think. But uh, there's plenty of DJs here as well, you know, so it's more in the in the open format space you know so last night i saw jazzy jeff and rich medina and buck rogers and djs like that you know so it's uh it's a great time super cool yeah well I, I love that you're here um and we're here with you on your first your first south by um let's let's start big and we'll get a little bit uh more and more narrow into your area and so forth but how has djing changed as an artistic form in recent years Oh crap. I mean it's 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 changed a lot. I mean I think there are different there are different stages that we went through, right? So back in the seventies, people were DJing on equipment that wasn't made for DJing, right? Torn's turntables and Bozak mixers and that kind of stuff. And then the next step was equipment actually made for DJs, like in the eighties, in the nineties. Um and um, then you saw um, people switching from vinyl to CDs and also to, to DVS, which stands for Digital Vinyl Solutions. So, you know, Serato and Tractor are two companies that are well-known in that space. Um, in um, uh, 2009, we came out with a player called CDJ2000, and that introduced the technology of DJing from a USB stick. You know, and so today... In the house techno EDM world, that's sort of what everyone is using. And um, in the open format world, it's predominantly uh, the DBS solution, predominantly Serato, you know. So because um, DJing from a technical point of view has gotten so much easier, right? Like back in the day, trying to mix three records of vinyl together was very, very difficult. Today, mixing three CDJs together, for example, is quite simple, even if you're not using sync, just because your songs are analyzed by a software called Rekordbox. And so you have a beat grid, you know what the beats per minute are per track, you know, because all that technology, it's gotten easier. And, you know, sure, you can abuse the fact that it's gotten easier because you can see now whatever celebrity DJs, influencers, DJing, and they do have decent jobs DJing because the technology is there, you know. But it's also allowed artists, you know, on the artistic side of the spectrum to take it to like whole nother levels, you know, where you have four, five, six channels 
all playing music, playing either songs or portions of songs or playing stems or playing samples, you know. So um, we've seen in recent years, you know, a big shift towards in, in, in that direction. Right. So, so you mentioned this increase of the number of channels. You're saying there's because it's easier now to get the mixes right in a in a live setting or, or a live recording setting. You you are basically able to to use more inputs and have not just a, a couple of tracks going for mixing, but also add these other layers on top. Is that is that why there's more channels getting added? Uh, yeah, that's that's the main reason why. I mean, we we came out with a mixer two years ago, two years ago called DJM V10, and uh, that's a six-channel mixer. We this, I mean, it's the second time we've done a six-channel mixer. We've did this once before, you know. But here, uh, that was the primary motivation. You know, we also make a sampler called DJS uh, 1000 um, that basically allows you to create a track on the fly or create a drum pattern on the fly or create a bass line on the fly and then and then just add that and you know we have a, a protocol called pro dj link that connects all that technology together right so the cdj the djm which is what we call our mixers the djs which is that sampler you know they can all be connected over ethernet cables you know and they can exchange data and so you could start your performance by just I don't know, creating a drum pattern on that sampler and then mixing the CDJ into that and, and just layering and layering and layering and just starting with like just a kick. But then, you know, after 10 minutes, you got like six, seven, eight different elements going, you know? I love how in a very short period, you just explain this like, evolution that took a lot of time this layering all the way from the original vinyl turntables that weren't even meant for this going all the way up to to where you now have stems and you have like uh, live beat making as a part of the process built into the same kind of ecosystem of, of equipment and so forth um but like you know none of that stuff was predicted in advance it was sort of watching the evolution once you got to that next tier that next level then people started envision well what would happen if i push this one step further and then and then from there what about four four channels isn't enough what about six channels and let's do some live beat making on top of that so now that you've seen this all emerge and and, and come to this level of maturation what's the next thing that's going to get built on top of that <laughs> yeah that's that's the million dollar question i mean um uh, one thing that i just alluded to is is stems so that technology emerged about i would say about 10 years ago um, where you had uh, technologies that could take a finished track, a fully mastered track, and break it down into stems. You know, because, you know, Native Instruments, for example, for a while tried to do something with stems, but you had to buy tracks that were already separated into stems, which was very laborious and, and hard to find and so forth, you know. But now the technology has gotten better and better of actually taking a finished track and then converting it into stems, you know. So um, I think that um, it's going to be interesting to see what happens um, in that space. And the other thing that I think is going to be interesting is, um, you know, how how data is going to play a role in, in the future of DJing. You know, so we uh, have this protocol I mentioned earlier called ProDJ Link, and it was developed back, you know, in 2000 nine when we released the cdj 2000 because it allows two cdjs to communicate with each other so i can 
send data from one player to the other. So if I have only one USB stick, I can play on both players from that one USB stick because the data and the audio travels over that Ethernet cable that connects them. Um, and uh, in 20, you know, 13, 2014, you saw DJs becoming bigger and bigger, drawing bigger and bigger audiences you know, literally playing stadiums and that put artists in a position where they had to put on a show. You know, we went from, you know, being in a dark underground club to all of a sudden literally being in stadiums. And uh, so DJs would bring in VJs and LJs and all those elements. You know, there are some DJs that travel with a crew of five or six or seven people, you know, a stage manager, a tour director, an LJ, a VJ, like a video jockey, a light jockey, all that kind of stuff. So companies at the time were hacking into our protocol, pretending to be a player to access the protocol, you know. So I contacted some of these companies and started working with them. And so we now have a solution for artists that want to elevate their show in such a way, you know, so there's a software called uh, Show Control that um, taps into the protocol, you know, in a legal way, like we, they're partners of ours, we work with them directly. And um, so you can now design a lighting show and a video show to correspond with music, but it's not that the artist needs to communicate to the VJ and the LJ in advance what they're going to play, you know, it, the artist can, the DJ can be completely spontaneous, you know, so they have the freedom to just play whatever they want, just like before, you know, so, uh, sorry, this is kind of a, a long way of getting to my point, but where, you know, so to me, the question is now, where do we go next with this data, you know, and that now we, you know, we, we watch what's happening in the metaverse and we watch what's happening with, you know, Unreal Engine and so forth. And so I'm wondering whether this data can also now uh, go into the metaverse and elevate performances there. Yeah, super, super cool. Yeah, I'd love to, love to see uh, what, what happens with performance where, because, you know, it's, it's, it's challenging to be a performer when you're, a, you're a DJ, people can't see you strumming or, or play, pl you know, obviously if you're a turntablist, there's a lot with the scratching, there's a lot, there's a lot you can see in, in stuff there. Although from a big stage, it's hard to see, but how do you add those other elements? And as this, these other visual elements come to life in new ways, it's super cool to see how it's synced up with the music with the DJ feeling like they're in control of it, you know, like it's all, it's all synced up together. So I love that. I, I like that, that response. So let's get a little more specific. What new products has Pioneer DJ launched recently? So 2020 was a really big year for us. We launched the DJ MV10 uh, in January. Uh, which is that six-channel mixer, and that's been a bit of a game-changer. You know, we were actually surprised um, how many artists were drawn to that product. And then the same year, we, re we also released the CDJ 3000, which is our new top-of-the-line player, which repla replaced the 2000 Nexus 2. Um, and we also released the DJM S11, which is our uh, top-of-the-line mixer for open-format DJs, which replaced the DJM S9. And uh, that has also been, you know, a, you know, a really successful product because um, it is, 
it has a screen that allows you to customize the mixer in, in, in whole new ways. I mean, we actually did a battle mixer with a screen called DJM909 many, many years ago. So we were the first to do that. That was a mixer that had 50 effects built in and uh, really ahead of its time. Um, and so, yeah, so the S11 came out in 2020. You know, so the, one of the products that we recently released um, that's gotten... Um, a really, really good reception is called DDJ Rev 7. And that was a really interesting product for us to develop because it's the first time we've done a motorized platter. You know, so typically we have a static platter um, so you can scratch on a CDJ, you know, but um, the platter doesn't spin. Of course, we make turntables like a PLX 1000, PLX 500, that has motorized platters, but we've never done a, um, a CDJ or a DDJ, which is what we call our controllers, um, with a motorized platter. You know, So that was a real challenge for us, and I'm really proud of that product because we worked on it for so long, and we had so many meetings. I mean, we always spend a lot of time developing the new CDJ, the new the new DJM, but this is the most time we've ever spent on developing, developing a so, controller. So the point of ha so what you're saying is obviously a traditional turntable needs a motor, so the vinyl goes around and makes the music. But on these uh, on the ones that don't have actual physical vinyl on them, it never spun because you only used it to 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 scratch, right, or or to, to kind of ch change the the sound, but. Having this Rev Seven, it it's motorized as if there's vinyl on it, so it gives you a more close feel to how vinyl would feel. Is that is that the point of having the the motor on it? Yeah, exactly. You know, so if you are if you are an open format DJ, if you are you know a turntableist, a scratch DJ, um, you in most cases prefer the feeling of a rotating platter. I mean, there are people who scratch on a CDJ and do a fantastic job at it, and if you close your eyes, you can't tell the difference between them scratching on a CDJ and them scratching on a turntable, you know, but most turntablists prefer the feeling of a spinning Got platter. Got it, cool. Well, let's expand out again. Because you're in this world of, uh, of DJing, you know a lot about kind of how DJs are interacting with the world. How have festivals adapted to COVID and what's your outlook for the rest of this year, 2022, 2023 and beyond? What's, what's happening on the festival circuit? Yeah, I don't enjoy, uh, I don't envy anybody who's uh, tried to put on a festival in the last two years. You know, I mean, there's been so many cancellations and, you know, Coachella's on again, Coachella's off again. You know, in January, I was supposed to fly down to Costa Rica for a festival called BPM Festival. My flight was on a Tuesday and then on Monday morning, no, on Sunday, the Costa Rican government like changed the rules and all of a sudden you weren't allowed to do an event with more than 200 people anymore you know and it was it was only for like a two week span because of Omicron and so the last two years have been extremely challenging but um, I'm very optimistic for this year um, I think Ibiza is gonna be bonkers this year I think you know, people just want to get out there. People want to party. People want to be with other people. People want to dance. You know, last year, the only way you could dance in Ibiza was if you, um, you know, I mean, you, you had to like buy a table and you, it was basically like a dinner party, you know, like you'd have the biggest DJs in the world before perform in front of like 200 people at, at 
something like that looked like a dinner party. They basically put like tables in uh, in the nightclub and would have you know barriers or lines on the floor, like which area you had to stick in and whatever. So it's been uh, it was really challenging, and uh, a lot of people in that industry. Um, you know, were really hurt and, you know, devastated financially, you know, luckily they got some, some help from the government, you know, certainly here in the U S so, but for, for this year, um, again, I'm optimistic. I think, I think it's going to be a good season. Uh, I'm flying to Miami next week for Miami music week. Uh, ultra, uh, music fest is going to happen for the first time since 2019, you know, I mean, ultra Miami, there was a ultra in Taiwan, uh, you know, a while ago, but, um, so I'm, I'm really looking forward to this year. Cool. That's 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 good to hear. I know the the live and festival scene needs needs to come back. I mean, it's hard to keep that momentum going when you have so such a long period of isolation and rules changes and and so forth. Of course, we want everyone to be safe, but also <laughs> make it, make everyone's livelihoods possible again. So, um, but but during this time, things have changed a lot, and some of those things probably won't go away. What emerging opportunities are there for DJs online? You referred to the potential of metaverse stuff. What are you seeing emerging now that that are those new opportunities? Well, one of the big stories of 2020 was certainly Twitch. Twitch was, you know, a story, uh, I'm sorry, a platform for gamers. And uh, a lot of DJs jumped on Twitch uh, in in March, April, May, June of, of 2020. Um, so there's been some, some, you know, incredible success stories. You know, there's an artist duo called Gabriel and Dresden that uh, I'm really good friends with. And... Um, they just they you know i remember talking to them in like march of 2020 and they barely knew what twitch was and then within a month they had 10,000 followers on twitch and they've been doing like regular streams on twitch uh ever since uh, so there's a lot of uh, success stories there's an artist in orange county that i know called julian b who um was completely unknown before and um she just kind of blew up on on twitch and was doing like 10, 12 hour sets on, on Twitch. And now she's got $75,000 on Twitch, you know? So that is something that, um, is here to stay. And, um, you know, on the product planning side, we've actually, uh, pivoted to try to incorporate, um, features that cater to those artists, you know? So we have some products coming up that I can't talk about in detail yet, but we have some products coming up that, uh, you know, have that artist in mind who who performs on Twitch. Um, another thing that's been exciting is um, we entered into a partnership with a company called Tribe XR, and um, Tribe. Uh, so if you if you have a, a VR headset like an Oculus Quest, or for example, for that example, you can um, go and enter Tribe, and um, you can learn how to DJ in Tribe. You know, so if you have if you're interested in DJing on CDJ 3000s and DJM 9 on XS2, you can go into Tribe and mess with it and play around with it. And it's, uh, you know, it's much cheaper than going out and buying the equipment, but it's uh, it feels very real. You know, I was shocked how real it feels. So that's a great way of uh, learning how to DJ. And, you know, if you just want to experiment with it, a little bit, but um, in in that space, I think we're we're going to see a lot more. I mean, we saw 
David Guetta on Ro- in Roblox like a month ago. You know, he wasn't really DJing. I think it was just a pre-recorded set. But, you know, the the idea is there. The thought yeah, is Yeah, don't there. tell your you kids. Know, we had, Pretend it was real. I know, I know. Well, whatever. We had Marshmallow and Fortnite. We had this kind of stuff. So, you know, I think it just goes to show that the interest is there. You know, like when Marshmallow was in Fortnite, it broke all sorts of records or whatever in terms of viewership, you know. So people are interested in experiencing that and seeing that. And so now we need to figure out how to make it more real, you know, because right now it feels kind of gimmicky and, you know, the equipment doesn't look real and they're not really DJing. I mean, in Tribe, they're really DJing. Like, that's that looks all, and feels all very real, you know. But these other two examples I just gave, that was I think they were just pre-recorded yeah. sets. But um, uh, I'm sure we're going to figure that out eventually. Yeah. And for listeners who maybe didn't catch, we've had TribeXR CEO Tom Impelomini on, and he, he told us about someone who did go into TribeXR, learned to DJ, and then translated that into, uh, you know, an IRL experience, really DJing, moving over to the equipment and, and so forth. So it is, it's a, it's an interest. That's a really interesting entry point. Um, and it's cool to hear about these artists that you're mentioning with the live streaming too. You, you, I, I suspect you come a lot across a lot of artists in the work, work you do with artist relations. Tell us about some others, maybe not on the live streaming, but other like innovative artists in your world, what they're doing, what they're innovating around. Give us a window into that. One thing that I find really interesting is, uh, I, I mean, I've been in this space now for about 30 years, and uh, I have friendships that go back 25 to 30 years. And some of these people are, to this day, um, the hardest working, uh, most uh, innovative people there are. You know, so uh, Louis Vega is someone I I don't know. I don't really know anybody in like, in like house music that works harder than Louis. And Louis always wants to try out the new new, you know, so he is on the V10 and he uses the DJS 1000. Uh, you know, DJ Sneak, also somebody who's been in the business for 30 years or more, um, you know, has probably done more with the DJS 1000 uh, than than anybody else, like, you know, creating, c- creating entire tracks on it, you know. Um, I think another great example is, uh, is Sophie Tucker. I mean, Sophie Tucker is, is probably... Uh, very well known. I mean, they're almost a pop act, you know, but uh, they, they come from like a house music background and they also use the DJM V10 uh, because they they play like guitar and bass and things like that and also use the DJS 1000 sampler um, to... Um, take their performances to another to another level you know so there are a lot of acts out there who are who come from like a a band background but they're also interested in DJing and DJ culture and now they're trying to fuse the two two together you know another example is maybe Bob Moses you know or uh or Zoo you know who you know, both use the V10, you know, so it's, it's a, you know, it's a very high quality mixer, like sound quality wise, but it also has all sorts of crazy routing options that you don't typically have on a DJ mixer. And, you know, the type of delays and reverbs and stuff that you can lay on top of it. You know, one thing that's really interesting about that mixer is uh, it has a compressor on every channel. It's never been done on a DJ mixer before. And what that allows you to do is, 
if you're playing a music file that's raw, that's unmastered, like for example, you're just putting some beats together on a sampler or using like an 808 or a 909 or um, you're playing an older record from 20 or 30 years ago or you're playing a piece of vinyl, you know, you can now add that compressor to it and that allows you to blend it better with a modern track with a track that was like recently mastered very cool love it love to hear about some of those innovations and uh and where that it's i love it because it's it's built into the culture of of any kind of djing that you know like using equipment to its limits or beyond are there are there artists who are doing things with your pioneer dj equipment that the company didn't expect yeah, that happens all the time, uh, and it's it's really it's really fun to watch. I mean, when we came out with our DJMS nine mixer, this this battle mixer that I mentioned, I mean, we came out with that product in 2015, and um, what people started doing with it, you know, you have you have a, like a delay effect on it, and you can basically um, use that to loop a track and then just layer on top of it and so people would you start using that to to almost like create a track you know and just you know loop uh, four beats and then loop a clap and then add this to the loop and that to the loop so and, like rebuilding the track in real time uh exactly like th things like that um and uh what we see a lot now is these uh, these open format DJs that use um, the DJS11, for example, come up with all sorts of creative uh, MIDI mapping. You know, you can, if you have a computer connected that's running DJ software, you can map things out creatively and that allows you to put together a whole new performance that nobody else can do because they don't have they don't have it mapped out the way you do, you know, with, as, as an open format DJ, it's all about, you know, making it easy to uh, accomplish certain effects or certain sounds, you know, most open format DJs probably wish they had four hands because, you know, there's so much to do. But if you, if you, if you map it out differently, then you can, you can combine effects or you can combine functions and that uh, allows you to, uh, to accomplish that so who, who are the artists that are the ones that are always asking for new features or products are, are there examples of the ones that they, they push the limits and like yeah i don't have four hands so you're going to need to do this next thing well that's always that's always the balancing act you know when you're a company like pioneer dj and when you have the market share and the dominance in the dj booth that we have you have to be careful with how far you push the envelope. So the CDJ 3000 or the 2000 Nexus 2 before or the DJM 9 or Nexus 2, the DJM S9, those products are found in DJ booths all over the world. doesn't matter which country, you know. And a lot of artists who use that gear don't necessarily own it. So when we develop a new CDJ, a new DJM, sure, we want to put as much technology in it as we can. You know, we want to take it to that whole new level, but we always have to keep in mind that not everyone owns the gear. Not everyone is interested in picking up a manual. There are plenty of artists who never look at a manual. So it has to be intuitive. And I, I think that's, maybe that's the thing that we do best, you know, like we build products that you can step up to and you can kind of figure it out. And it's, it's, an, it's intuitive. 
Um, but you know, to I mean, there's 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 many artists that come to mind. But I mean, we have an artist in the, in the UK called James Sabila. Um, I know our product planning team over there always has meetings with him, and and he will it'll turn into like a four or five hour meeting. Like I got this idea, and I got that idea, and I got that idea. You know, so over here, um, I'm in really close contact with uh, with Jazzy Jeff, um, who I actually just saw last night. So there's been a bunch of products that. Um, you know he's been instrumental in in helping me develop and um he always gives uh, really good feedback and comes up with new ideas um Carl Craig is a techno DJ that I work with closely you know he he uh had a lot of great suggestions um on uh on the DJ MV10 and uh and Roger Sanchez is definitely someone who need who needs a, a shout out because um you know, I've worked with Roger literally since since day one. I mean, I joined this company a long, long time ago, and it was actually uh, because of his recommendation. You mm. know, like he recommended me to the then um, product planning manager in the company, and uh, that was back in 1996. You know, so um, Roger uh, is always someone who who texts me um, ideas and oh, you need to improve this and what about this. Super cool to hear about that dynamism between the the company and the artists back and forth. You know, you guys do some new new feature, see how people use it, then they give you some suggestions, you guys tweak some things and so forth. Not easy to do with hardware, and I appreciate your response about um, you know, uh, people using the equipment in ways you wouldn't expect by saying, well, sometimes you want to do the opposite. You want to make it easy for them to just get going because they have to jump from device to device when they're they're touring or, or performing in new spaces and so forth you gotta it's such a it's such a tricky balance i mean even from a you know we have a lot of music tech companies startups uh listening to the podcast and and even with if it's a, di a digital product how do you get that user interface with the perfect balance where people can figure it out uh, it can do cool stuff, but it's not so complicated. They just step away from it. So that's a great that's a great lesson learned on the on the episode. Yeah, I mean, we make hardware pre predominantly, so we we don't have the luxury of just making it up, <laughs> creating an MVP, and say, okay, we'll tweak it as we go along. I mean, sure, we can do firmware updates. You know, we do firmware updates all the time. I mean, particularly on our CDJ three thousand, for example, we've now had a you know, probably 10 firmware updates since we released it, you know. So there are things we can do, but we we can't add a button, you know, at the factory. Like that would be a Mark II product. That would have to be a whole new product. So that's that's a, definitely a challenge. Cool. So we have a segment on the podcast where we ask guests to get super sci-fi. So I'm going to ask you, what are some futuristic things we can expect from the DJing world in the next five or 10 years? I think I'm going to jump back to uh, what I was saying earlier about um, utilizing data and uh, going into the metaverse. Mm -hmm. You know, we're here at South by Southwest. Um, I don't know. I can't count on 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 one hand, on two hands, how many times I've heard the term metaverse. I mean, everyone's talking about it. So it's it's real. It's coming. It's happening. Uh, you know, actually, if you look right over there, those domes are right below our window. Uh -huh. I know um, we've had on the podcast recently Hume, which has a an artist called Angel Baby, which is a NFT that now performs. They perform down in that dome all week long down there. It's oh, yeah? a it's an eight foot bunny from Fluff World. You can listen to that episode too. But it's right there. It's right there, Lars. Do you see those domes? <laughs> I do. The Wisdom Dome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So yeah, so Metaverse stuff. Yeah. So that that's. 
I think that's going to be really interesting on 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 where where that goes, and then also the continuation of what I was talking about earlier of fusing uh, live shows with DJ shows on and elevating that. I think there's you know also with like with stems and you know all those things I mentioned earlier. So I think there's there's a lot gonna be happening in the next creates, few years creates a lot of opportunity for new creativity which is super cool to, to this idea that you're linking up these visual elements as well expanding into other realms that <laughs> weren't possible before it's 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 super fun to to think about it um well let me ask you one more thing before we wrap up um so we've got a lot of innovation-minded folks um out there in in the world listening to this are there things that you hope to see other innovators bring to the world maybe pioneer dj interacts with them or maybe it's just something you think um could could be helpful any solutions out there or or any advice for folks that are building innovation mindset stuff for the future of djing oh that's that's a tough one i mean one thing that I've been thinking about a lot while I'm here and we're talking about the metaverse and trying to bring like DJing into the metaverse and so forth, I think that if you're creating an alter ego and, you know, that, that opens up all sorts of opportunities, but it also allows you to not be a good person in the metaverse. Mm. You know what I mean? And I think that's that's Some something of the, like, the anonymity of of having an alias. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we see that a lot online. I mean, the way people comment on YouTube or something is just really ugly because you got that anonymity. And I think it's really important that as we're entering these worlds, that the companies that are creating these opportunities are also trying to uh, develop sort of a a code of conduct or, or, or sort of leading by example, you know, because if you, if you show people how, how to act and how to be, you know, and give a positive example, then I think people, people will adopt it. Not in all cases, but I, I think that's, um, something that we need to be very conscious of because otherwise this whole thing could, could kind of backfire on us. Man, I, I love that Lars, like learn, learn from past, mistakes in our social media development and and so forth to really consider what how to build respect uh respectful behavior once we d detach from being responsible for not being in person we're not right there in our community with our family with our friends and all of a sudden it, it creates this opportunity i really really value that response super way to to end the conversation lars this has been a blast talking to you i'm so glad we both made it to south by southwest in person i tell you people if you're out there and you haven't started yet I'm, i want you to make your own decisions about staying safe and and what makes sense for your risk reward uh formula but uh i sure hope to see all of you uh in person sometime soon lars this has been great uh, thanks so much for joining me on the podcast Thanks so much for having me here. And it's been it's been a blast being in Austin. So thank you to the city of Austin as well and for putting on this uh, this great event. And uh, yeah, it's just really nice to uh, to to connect with people in person again. It just uh, it beats a, a Zoom call any day. All right, let's go out to see some showcases now. <laughs> let's do it. Thanks for listening to Music Tectonics. If you like what you hear, please subscribe on your favorite podcast app. We have new episodes for you every week. Did you know you can dig deeper into all our episodes with the show notes at musictectonics.com. 
While you're there, look for the latest about our annual conference, sign up for our newsletter to get updates, or get the Music Tectonics app for music tech news. Everything we do explores seismic shifts that shake up music and technology the way the Earth's tectonic plates cause quakes and make mountains. Connect with Music Tectonics on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, and find me, Dimitri Vitsa, if you can spell it, on LinkedIn. Bye-bye. You're listening to Music Tectonics.